Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 9, the Baltimore Orioles 8, in one heck of a baseball game. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. However, let me set the scene for you here, because uh, I had the game on for most of the night, you know, I uh, cooked some dinner, uh, hanging out, we were reading some books with the little guy on the floor and uh, watching the game, put him to bed, come back down, I got the, it was like the eighth inning, uh, ninth inning, Class A blows, blows the save uh, in the top of the ninth inning, and we'll get into it, but uh, bottom of the ninth inning, Andres Jimenez leads things off right with a double to kick things off. Look, we are exhausted. Uh, I was up really late recording last night. We're exhausted. So Andres Jimenez doubles to kick things off. I think to myself, you can close your eyes for a second. It's going to take a second for Gabriel Arias to get up there. It's okay. Let your eyes rest for just a second. There's no way you're going to fall asleep. What happens? <laughs> Next thing I know, Al Pulowski's coming back, starting up the postgame show, and I have completely missed the end of the game. I know. I know. I, what can I do? What can I do? I'm a hardworking guy, hardworking dad. Hard-working family man, and uh, I, I passed out on the couch with Andres Jimenez standing there at second base in the bottom of the ninth inning. What can you do? Luckily, we live in this modern age of, uh, you know, cell phones and, well, I guess Twitter. I, we're not lucky we have Twitter, but it's there. And, uh, you know, highlight reels, and uh, I was instantly able to catch myself up on what I missed, which was David Fry hitting a walk-off double to win the game for the Cleveland Guardians. One heck of a shot, one heck of a moment, one heck of a celebration in the middle of the diamond. I mean, can could you imagine if this was like 1980s, early 1990s, and there was just there was just nothing? I, I would have had nothing. Uh, what am I going to wait for the newspaper to come out the next day to find out what happened in this game? I guess I could have stuck around and watched, you know, Al Pulaski's postgame show there. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe you flip over to SportsCenter and hope. And then you got to sit there for all of SportsCenter and wait for the game to come on. You know, wait for your highlight. How many times, Clevelanders, did we sit in the 90s? Kids, kids, if you're listening, you don't understand what it was like to sit there for all all of Sports Center, and just wait for your local team's highlight to come on. To just, are we going to be a top story? Are we going to be just buried at like the, you know, the 40, 50 minute mark of the show and they're going to give us about 15 seconds of screen time? Like what? You would just have to sit there. And you would just have to sit there and wait. So... Uh, thank God I live in the modern era, and uh, I got caught up on exactly what happened very quickly. Um, so, all right, so let's get into the uh, the storylines of this game. I do want to give a shout-out, uh, before I do that, I want to give a shout-out because we got another five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are an all-five-star reviewed show they didn't leave a review, but they did leave a five-star rating. So we're up to 35 five-star ratings on the show. And I cannot 
thank you enough, Morning People. It helps people find the show. It helps when they search Cleveland Guardians in Apple Podcasts. It helps to make sure that Cleveland Baseball Mornings pops right up there uh, with the top results. Uh, make sure they can find us. So go ahead. Uh, if you've never done it, go ahead and leave five stars. Leave a review. Let people know. Of course, we'll shout you out uh, here on the episode. But let people know uh, what the show is all about and why you enjoy listening to it. Uh, you know, what makes us unique? What makes us special here in the uh, Guardians podcast space? So whoever left the five-star review, thank you. All right, now let's get into the top storylines of the game. And there's there's too much there's too much in this game. I can't I can't possibly go through every rally. I can't possibly go through every moment and uh, break it down because this would be like a 50 minute episode. There was just so much offense in this game from both teams. Like you have to admit, okay, despite the fact that we combined to make five errors. Uh, three for the Guardians, two for the Baltimore Orioles. Aside from that, you have to admit that this was a fantastic baseball game. I mean, both offenses took huge, huge haymaker shots at the other team, putting up crooked numbers uh, in three different innings each. And the, the, the win probability in this line in this one is all over the place, all over. I mean, it swings back and forth, big swings back and forth. At one point, when uh, when Andres Jimenez makes the fantastic diving stop uh, on Adley Rushman's ground out in the uh, in the top of the ninth inning, it got the Guardians up to a ninety-seven percent win probability before Klasse, unfortunately, uh, blows that save. Right, but Rushman's ground out there. Uh, got it to a 97% win probability in our favor. Then, then Santander's hit by the pitch. Then Ryan O'Hearn singles to Jose Ramirez. And then when Aaron Hicks doubles and they bring across not only the tying run, but the go-ahead run, it moves to an 83% win probability in Baltimore's favor. And then all it takes is Andres Jimenez's double to bring it right back to nearly 50-50. It's 56% win probability still in Baltimore's favor. And obviously, we finally hit 100% when David Fry doubles, driving in two runs, clearing the bases there. So, uh, I mean, yeah, wild, wild swings in this one. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about winning innings. And, man, I mean, the Guardians were all over Baltimore. Every time Baltimore thought they were going to win an inning, right? Two runs to start the game. They had to be feeling great about that, right? Nope. The Guardians answer right back with two of their own in the bottom of the first. And it's a heck of a rally, too. I mean, we've got uh, three different hits uh, in this thing, a sack fly, and the inning would have kept going. Gabriel Arias lined out to right field. Uh, and Santander made a fantastic uh, diving catch out there. Uh, a 590 expected batting average on Gabriel Arias's lineout. 590 expected batting average, but Santander runs it down. Uh, you know, Santander had a weird day out there in right field because he makes two fantastic catches, and then he also falls down twice and gives up uh, some extra base hits because of it. So it was a weird day for him. He steals this one from Arias, and then he made another 
sliding catch, uh, kind of going into a baseball slide out there. I think on Ramirez. I think it was on Jose, who looked like he was going to bloop in a hit. Um, but maybe it was in the uh, in the sixth inning. Uh, to end the sixth inning, uh, he did bloop one at 73.9 that went as a flyout. I think that was the one that Santander gets under and catches. So two great catches out there for him, and then two where he kind of slips in the grass and two bad plays uh, for him where he's given up extra bases. Uh, so, yeah, so we answer right back, right? They think they're going to have this great rally, uh, you know, this great start to the game in the first inning. Boom, we answer right back. They do not win the inning. We actually score in the second. We take that 3-2 to two lead, but they answer right back in the top of the third with three runs of their own. Uh, so including uh, some extra base hits, a leadoff triple from Ramon Urias, then a double by Gunnar Henderson. Um, finally, a double play and a strikeout gets them out of the inning, but three runs, the damage is done. Okay, they do win that. They win that exchange, right? Bottom of the second and top of the third, they win that exchange. But then after a couple of zeros are put up, we win the fourth inning. And it's it, they do it to themselves. It's a leadoff walk on Bo Naylor. Uh, Miles Straw reaches on an error. Quan would strike out, but then Jose Ramirez would single. Josh Naylor with a fielder's choice. Cole Calhoun with a sack fly. So uh, it's not exactly the fanciest rally of all time, right? The big, the big hit wasn't really there, but they get the job done, and they put three runs across in the fourth inning. That's a really, really strange way to uh, to get three runs across. This would be uh, the the Miles Straw reaching on an error would be the one where Santander falls down and basically gives him a double there. Uh, Bo Naylor gets the third. Uh, Jose Ramirez, a single would drive in Bo Naylor, but not Miles Straw. Um, a single up the middle into center field. Josh Naylor, uh, reaches on the fielder's choice that would bring Miles Straw into score. Uh, and then the, uh, the sack fly by Cole Calhoun. So, um, oh, and Jose would go to third on the fielding error by Gunnar Henderson. When they gave Gunnar Henderson a fielding error on this one, this is the one where Jose or Josh Naylor absolutely smashed the ball at Gunnar Henderson. He hits this thing at 107.2 mile per hour exit velocity. It had a 5'10 expected batting average. And I mean, it was right at Gunnar Henderson and it eats him up. And unfortunately, they gave him a fielder's choice and an error because of this one, which is a weird way of scoring this. Uh, it was the hardest hit ball of the entire day, and I, I gotta be honest with you, it was it, it was balls like this that uh, made me decide. I think I want to go play the outfield. I I think getting in front of balls like this, I'd much rather go run something down in the outfield than get in front of a ball like this. And I I'm gonna have some fir- uh, some infield in my future of old man softball because my arm is not what it used to be. I, Pretty sure I have a tear in my labrum, which makes it really painful to throw those balls from deep center field. But uh, I'm going to have some more infield in my future ahead of me. And uh, I'm going to have to deal with smashes. Maybe not smashes like this, but you can still hit an old man's softball pretty hard. And, uh, man, I feel bad for Gunnar Henderson on this one. uh, This thing was a missile right at him. And it just, he could not corral it. So, uh 
Yeah, so it's an ugly way to score three runs, but hey, we win the we win the exchange. We win the inning in the fourth inning. So uh, a good job there. After a couple of zeros are put up, they score in the top of the seventh. We answer right back in the bottom of the seventh. We can't let they tie the game up. They're probably all happy they tie the game up. Uh, you know, a walk costs us. Uh, I believe. Uh, I believe De Los Santos was in it to pitch at that point. And uh, a walk cost him to have two walks in the inning. Um, would he have two walks in the inning? Oh, silly stat cast. If for some reason, if someone's intentionally walked, it does not appear on stat cast. I, I don't know why. I'm like, wait, wait, where is this a second walk here? Um, but uh, Santander's single would drive in the run, Gunnar Henderson to score. And they tie the game up. Uh, De Los Santos, uh, Marlon's going to point this out in his email. Like, it's not the best outing but De Los Santos, but he does limit the damage to one run. Whereas uh, when some other guys have imploded, like a Trevor Steffen, uh, it turns into a, a lot of runs coming across the score. So uh, thank you, Marlon, for, for that point, for pointing that one out. And we will get to Marlon's email because Marlon's got a good email tonight. I, I'm, in, I'm interested to get to it. Um... Then we answer right back in the uh, in the bottom of the seventh. Though we don't let them win the inning, we take that lead right back. I mean, this team kept fighting all night. Both teams, both teams, both offenses kept fighting all night. Josh Naylor kicks things off with a walk uh, on a wild pitch. He goes up to second. Cole Calhoun's called out on strikes, but Andres Jimenez would deliver the single uh, a single to second to second base. Westberg makes the. St- Stop. He just can't pick the ball up, and Jimenez flies down the base path. So we got runners on the corner. Um, they go to their bullpen. They bring in Jorge Lopez now. Arias would pop out. It's looking like maybe it's not going to happen. And then Will Brennan singles to right field. Naylor comes in to score. Jimenez goes all the way to third. Um, Brennan steals second and gives us a chance, but David Fry strikes out swinging. But... This would not be the last we would hear of David Fry. I was a little frustrated because, you know, if Fry doesn't get that many at-bats, and I'm like, ah, don't read too much into this. Like, the guy just came off the bench cold. You know, eventually Bo Naylor would leave this game. He did get hit on the thumb. Uh, Francona said it was the meaty part of the thumb for, for however much meat you have on your thumb. Uh, you ju- Look at your hand and judge accordingly how much meat you think you have there. But uh, they're hoping x-rays will come back negative. And uh, Bo Naylor will be just, uh, you know, put some ice on it and be fine. But he uh, he was feeling it tonight. So David Fry eventually goes in for him. Strikes out here uh, to end things. Then the, de- I mean, the defensive plays late in the game by Andres Jimenez. And he was making defensive plays all night. But this double play here. So Kajurstad... Uh, Gets on via catcher's interference, and David Fry, uh, Francona said after the game in his press game, a post game presser, he was like, "I heard Fry behind me. Like he was, he was upset with himself about this one. Like he was really feeling this one, and so Francona was glad that he got up one more time and got a chance to have that walk off hit to kind of avenge this catcher's interference here in the eighth inning. After Adam Frazier would strike out, and this is Ronaldo Lopez pitching. 
He gets uh, Ramon Urias to ground a ball to second base. Jimenez makes an amazing stop, spins. Even though his cleats can't catch the dirt, he gets enough on the throw to get it to Gabriel Arias. And the thing that no one's talking about on this play is Arias uncorks an absolute rocket back to first base. We all know Arias has the incredible arm. But uh, as amazing as Andres Jimenez's stop was in this moment, the throw uh, from Arias to nab the runner, like just everything had to work on this double play. Naylor does a great stretch over at first base, basically doing the splits there at first base. And uh, they turn the double play to uh, get out of the eighth inning, shut things down in the eighth inning. Then clinging to that one-run lead in the bottom of the eighth inning, they uh, they get a little rally going. They get guys on, two guys on. Ramirez and Naylor are both on with two-ounce singles. Unfortunately, Ramon Laureano pinch hitting can't get them in. He flies out to end the threat. And then that sets Classe up in the bottom of the ninth inning. And uh, it starts out fine. He strikes out Gunnar Henderson. Uh, he gets Adley Rushman to ground out. And then he hits Anthony Santander. And it's like, oh, man. All right, fine. Okay. Ryan O'Hearn then would single on a ground ball to third base. They had Jose Ramirez playing way over in a shift. And, I mean, he makes the stop, but there's just there's nowhere to throw it. And, I mean, ugh, he got his ground ball, right? Uh, Class A got his ground ball. And they just can't make a play because of their defensive alignment. Then Aaron Hicks just reaches out and pokes one down the left field line. Where was the pitch on this one here? Uh, Aaron Hicks's. Uh, I was middle of the plate. It was a cutter middle up, and uh, I mean it's that ninety. It was a ninety-seven point three mile per hour cutter, and Hicks does a good job of not trying to do too much with this, and just literally pokes it in the left field down the left down the third base line. Ramirez again was kind of shifted over, so he can't get to it. Um, Marlon questions whether or not he could have maybe knocked it down. Maybe knocked it down, but uh, either way, it happens. It gets through, and uh, two runs come in to score because of it. And not only do they tie the game, but they take the one-run lead. Then they go to their bench. Uh, no, sorry, uh, Cedric Mullins had pinched it earlier in the game. Then Cedric Mullins uh, would fly out to uh, to center field to end the threat there. So then that brings up the Guardians and. Uh, I mean, Andres Jimenez, after making two absolutely fantastic defensive plays, uh, I forgot Adley Rushman's ground out. Uh, I mean, Jimenez, this thing had a 540 expected batting average, and Jimenez ranges deep in the hole to his left, snares it, fires to first base. One of the best things about these defensive plays is Josh Naylor's reaction at first base. I mean, he is just so fired up for Jimenez. And to watch this amazing defense unfold right in front of him. Uh, God, I mean, Naylor's reactions just absolutely uh, make these moments so so special. Jimenez is grinning ear to ear, all right? He can't even hide the emotion on his face. He's got a smile uh, plastered on his face. Naylor is fired up. The whole team is fired up because of these defensive plays. And then Andres Jimenez comes up to kick off the uh, the bottom of the ninth inning, right? They just blew another save. Uh, you're wondering what they've got going against Cano for uh, for Baltimore. And uh, he's trying to keep the ball down on him. 
A sinker down, misses off the plate. A changeup down at the knees that he fouls off. Another sinker that's middle of the plate at 97.6, and he swings through it for a strike. He tries to go back down with another changeup, but uh, Jimenez was ready for it, and uh, he shoots a double into right field. Um, yeah, he was ready for the change of pace there, so it's a good job of uh, reacting to that changeup after you just whiffed on that uh, almost 98-mile-per-hour sinker. Uh, to react to the changeup is a good piece of hitting. 100.2 mile per hour exit velocity from Jimenez, and then Davey passes out, but the Guardians don't. Uh, Gabriel Arias, uh, a productive out. I, I mean, sure, you want a base hit in this situation here, but he grounds out to the right side, which allows uh, Andres Jimenez to move to third base. Like That's huge. That's huge right there. That, uh, you know, if you're going to ground out, at least do it the right way and move the runner over to third, right? It doesn't have to be a sack bunt or anything like that. There are productive ways to move that runner over to third. Um, and then they, uh, after missing with two, they intentionally walk Will Brennan because they're worried about that runner at third base. They, you know, nothing else has mattered to them right now. But they set the Guardians up for a walk-off, you know? They didn't think about that. They think, oh, maybe we can get a double play and get out of this thing. David Fry had other ideas. Remember, he's still reeling from the catcher's interference. He struck out with runners on last time he was up. He gets a first pitch, two-seam sinker at 98.3 miles per hour. It's middle of the plate, slightly in, just slightly middle in, and he turns on this thing, hits it at 100.2 miles per hour, drives it 386 feet off the wall in left field. Cedric Mullins can't field it cleanly. Jimenez comes in to score easily from third. And Will Brennan is on his horse and scores easily from first base. And they are partying at progressive field. So an absolutely fantastic battle between these two offenses. I told you, both teams were absolutely relentless on this one. I find it interesting that for most of the game... It was Ramon Urias, Urias in the nine hole, and then flipping it over to the top of the lineup, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman, and Santander were doing most of the damage. O'Hearn and Hicks don't get in on the party until the top of the ninth inning. Everything up until that point had been Urias, Henderson, Rushman, and Santander. Uh, whereas the Guardians, everybody was contributing. Everybody, even the guys coming in off the bench are finding ways to contribute. The only one that has an offer is Gabriel Arias. And I told you, he got robbed in the first inning. Uh, I don't know about the rest of the at-bats. He goes 0 for 5 with no strikeouts, though. So makes a productive out in the bottom of the ninth inning, gets Jimenez to third base. So everybody found a way to contribute on this one. Uh, it's incredible. Even Miles Straw found a way to contribute on this one. Uh, he had a hit. He had a run scored. He had an RBI. Uh, so it's just, it's really cool to see the Guardians really spread it out. Multi-hit games from Quan, Ramirez, Naylor, Jimenez, uh, Will Brennan with a multi-hit game. Absolutely fantastic team effort on this one. All right. Uh, the one thing I'm, I'm kind of burying the lead, which is Shane Bieber made his return for the Cleveland Guardians. And he goes to battle against Dean Kramer and uh, neither of them really have a great night. 
Uh, Bieber lasts longer in the game than Kremer does. Uh, throws 81 pitches. I'm actually surprised. Uh, that's that's more. I I thought he was going to be around the 65, 70 pitch mark, and uh, they let him go 81. They let him go five full innings. It did feel a little bit like a, sp- a spring training start in a sense of like it doesn't really matter what Bieber's doing out there um, as long as he's as long as he's healthy and as long as his arm feels good. And I'm going to bring Marlon's email into this because I disagree with Marlon right off the bat. And uh, this is Marlon. This is the kind of thing that I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to clean up in Guardians fandom right now. He said, unfortunately, Bieber was terrible tonight. I feel for him as he's given so much for this team. I hope he can rebound next year and get the payday he deserves as a free agent. Uh, Luckily, Dean Kramer stunk up the joint just as badly. Uh, Was Bieber terrible tonight or was he pitching for the first time in months after an injury? Right? You can't assume that at every time out, uh, he's going to be in Cy Young form, right? Y- you have to understand the humanity in this game. So uh, I just, uh, Marlon, it rubs me the wrong way. Unfortunately, Bieber was terrible tonight. I just, I can't agree with that. I can't because he wasn't terrible. He uh, he got hard hit. Uh, he gave up six hits. Over five innings pitched, he gives up six hits. Five runs, four earned one only one walk, five strikeouts, keeps it in the ballpark on 81 pitches. He is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. A decent amount of hard hit balls there for Baltimore's offense. But if you look at the illustrator, I mean he is pounding the strike zone. The command is is mostly there. He spikes a few sliders and a few curveballs, uh, and one changeup. There are a few that get away from him, but when they get away, he's just spiking them. Uh really actually commands and keeps that fastball in the strike zone, throwing it to both sides, pounded the uh, arm side of the plate with the cutter uh, quite often, uh, and and had some decent curveballs on the day. So the command actually was was there for Shane Bieber. And going to his player breakdown page, um, didn't have a huge whiff rate, only a 19% whiff rate. But like I said, uh, a lot of called strikes on four-seam fastballs, eight called strikes, five called strikes on cutters. So 15 called strikes overall in the day does add up to a 27% CSW, which for someone pitching in his first time back from injury, I, I got to say, is that's uh, pretty fair right there. I, I I could take that. I can live with that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I Shane Bieber, I'm glad he's feeling well. You know, it did make me think. You talked about him getting paid as a free agent, and we've talked about how they have not let one single starting pitcher walk in free agency, right? Kluber, Carrasco, uh, Clevenger, uh, Bauer. Like, they, they haven't let anyone walk recently in free agency. One of their guys, one of their guys that they built. Um, so it'll be interesting to see... If Bieber is feeling healthy, I would love to see the Guardians. Instead of going to arbitration with him, his final year of arbitration, I would love to see the Guardians reward him for what he's meant to the organization over the last few years. Maybe, could you work out like a two-year contract? Be like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll guarantee the money you know, your arbit- for your final arbitration year. We'll, we'll, we'll lock that up. We'll give you a nice 
a nice uh, salary for the following season and maybe a player option on top of it for a season after that? Like, doesn't that feel like a fair contract, right? It's not too much. It's not too much for a guy who's dealt with injuries the last few years. You do need Bieber to, you know, be out there and healthy and on the mound. You know, for a guy who's, ooh, I didn't check the velocity. I I hate that we do this to Bieber all the time, but we got to. We got to check the fastball velocity. Averaged 90.7, maxed out at 91.5. So uh, down a little bit. Uh, This year, he averaged 91.4, the velocity. I don't think he's ever going to get back to averaging 94 miles per hour on that fastball. But it was nice when he was maxing out at 93-94, when he could reach back just a little bit when he needed it. Um, But again, his first appearance in a while, I'm not shocked that the velocity is down. Uh just if it doesn't feel like that's a fair contract right does he think that he's going to go out and get one of these seven-year contracts like one of these huge contracts or one of these like 40 million a year contracts for for one or two seasons like they're giving out to Scherzer and Verlander right now it just doesn't feel like that would be a wise investment for anybody so why not give him a fair contract? Uh, you know, pay him more than he's getting paid right now. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to get a raise, right? Everybody wants a raise. Uh, that's what arbitration would do. They'd probably give him a raise. So go ahead, give him the raise. Lock up one extra season. Give him the player option for the next season. If he just wants to keep pitching in Cleveland, then let him keep pitching in Cleveland, right? That seems like a really fair deal all the way around. You get a little more Shane Bieber time. Maybe the injuries are too much and, you know, and his career does go downhill from here. Or maybe he does figure out a way to keep his body healthy and keep that arm healthy and make it through a season again. Uh, it's Believe me, it's it's tough. It, you look around Major League Baseball. It is tough to get through a season. So, uh, so yeah. So, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, I... It's a crazy game. Man, what a crazy game. Let's go over to the emails. Let's get some reactions over here on the emails. Uh, I gave you a little of Marlon's email. I might as well give you the rest. He said, hi, Davey. What a wild, wild game. It wasn't pretty, especially the three errors and three wild pitches, but it was exciting. With tonight's win, the Guardians clinched the season series versus the Orioles with a 4-1 to record. Since Will Brennan hit and killed the bird earlier this season, I hate that we're still bringing this up, but Marlon's got a point here. The Guardians have won the season series versus all of MLB's birds, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, and the Orioles. That is just weird, weird baseball voodoo. I don't know, man. That's weird. Uh, We talked about the pitching already. Uh, As for Classe, well, what can you say? 12 blown saves is not good. Although in his defense, I will say the defensive shift on O'Hearn's ground ball hurt him as that should have been the third out. Had J-Ram been in normal position. Also, I thought Jose could have at least knocked the ball down on Hicks's double to prevent the go-ahead run from scoring. On replay, it looked as if the ball went underneath his glove. I'm so happy to see the offense finally carry their weight. Too little, too late, but it's nice. Nevertheless, five players at multi-hits, and Calhoun chipped in with a pair of RBIs. Hemi looks much more com- comfortable now. I don't know why it's taken him almost the entire season, but I hope he can carry this momentum in the next season. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Hemi is the best defensive second baseman in baseball. His offense has been 
bad most of the season, and I'll admit I've been hard on him, Marlon says, but it hasn't affected his defense. His defense has been on point all season. The diving stops he made in the last two innings were a thing of beauty. Anyone who wants to learn or improve at second base should watch Hemi. Jimenez. He means Jimenez. Shout out to David Fry for a walk-off, especially with Straw looming on deck. (laughs) I did not think about that, Marlon. Bo Naylor will probably be out a few days, and I hope Tito plays Fry instead of Gallagher. Gallagher doesn't have a future here, but Fry does. I don't understand why Tito won't play him more. I I said I cried when it was reported Junior Caminero was called up yesterday. He should be with the Guardians now. I've got a feeling he will be a star in this league. Why, Antonetti? Why? That's all I can say. Marlon in Birmingham. I, I actually believe I I have a sense of how serious Marlon takes this stuff, and I actually believe him when he says he shed a tear uh, hearing that the Tampa Bay Rays have called up Junior Caminero. Now, if, if you, for some reason you don't know what Marlon's talking about here, Calinero was uh, traded from Cleveland to the Tampa Bay Rays for a pitcher, Tobias Myers, who I think was in some kind of Rule 5 situation with Tampa Bay where uh, they they wanted to trade him before he was eligible for the Rule 5 draft, if I remember correctly. But we gave him this guy who was like playing in like low A ball for us or rookie ball for us, Junior Caminero. Like he was a teenager when we traded him. And... He's climbed the ranks. At one point, he was the 30th prospect in the Rays system and like 90th overall in baseball. And suddenly, he's like become like top five prospect in all of baseball. The guy just absolutely hammers the ball. He's like 20 years old and he was playing in double A. And they brought him up to the majors to finish the season out. And I don't know if this is one of those things like Bo Naylor where we brought him up just so he could get a feel for what the majors were like, or if they really need him right now. I know they've had some injuries. Uh, so I, I legitimately don't know what the motivation is from Tampa Bay to jump a guy from double a, uh, into the majors. But uh, the moral of the story is this kid can hit. I mean, absolutely can hit. And we did, we, we absolutely missed on one. Tobias Myers never did anything for us. I think he bounced around to a few more minor league systems after us. And Caminero looks like he, I mean, legitimately can be a multi-year all-star, who knows, maybe even potential MVP candidate one day. Like, legitimately that good. And uh, all I'll say, Marlon, uh, and this is not in Antonetti's defense, because there's no doubt that uh, Tampa Bay absolutely fleeced us on that trade. And we fleeced other teams, though. Don't forget, we fleeced other teams. Antonetti has done that to other teams. What I'll say is that if you look around baseball, I think every single fan base, every single one of them, probably can point to a guy or two like that, that their team let get away and uh, you know turned into absolute gold uh, in another franchise. I think of the, you know, think about Corey Kluber. You know, he was never even a top prospect and what we turned him into. Think about Carlos Santana, right? The Dodgers, everybody kind of knew Santana was going to be a good player. And the Dodgers still gave him up in a trade to us and uh, the player he turned into. Look at Mets fans uh, looking at Andres Jimenez. Uh, and, And I know, I know his offense has been really down this year, but I have a feeling that he is in line to be a bounce-back candidate of the year next year. 
And uh, I'm sure Mets fans are kicking themselves that they gave up on Jimenez. Because what good is it? I mean, uh, Lindor's been fine for them, but where's it gotten them? It hasn't gotten them anywhere. So I think every organization probably has a guy like that where they're like, oh, man, I can't believe we traded this guy. So uh, he's ours. He's ours. You just got to wear it. Every franchise, every front office just has to wear it when they screw up like that. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, Antonetti, the only thing he can do moving forward is try to try to rip off some other teams and uh, fleece some other teams and sneak a few, you know, top, top prospects back in our direction. All right. Uh, so, Marlon, thank you for the email. And then uh, we got an email from Bob in Highland Heights. I like this email from Bob. He says, so happy for Fry. Made the majors at, I think, 28 years old. From catcher's interference to walk-off. Oh, by the way, Andres Jimenez is nails at second base. Great game to watch. So sad the season is ending. Bob in Highland Heights. Uh, I agree with everything you just said there, Bob. Uh, you know, Francona actually referenced this in his post-game presser. He, he, he said he had a conversation with Fry, and basically uh, the two of them discussed the fact that, like, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that he he made it. He made it at 28 years old. He he freaking made it. Uh, a lot of guys don't. A lot of guys get to be Fry's age, and they are 27. He's listed on his uh, MLB page right now. So, uh, when's his birthday coming up? Uh, his birthday will be in November. So after the season, he'll he's almost 28. Um, yeah, a lot of guys get to his point, and maybe even get to AAA. And that's just where the road ends for them. So it is great that he's up here. And I, I really, I really, really hope they figure out how to use Fry uh, and not just let him get into a game every, you know, don't make him a Sunday player like you've done with Tyler Freeman this year. Uh, get him in there. Get him at bats. Get him 400 at bats. Can we get can we get Fry 400 at bats next year? Can we do it? I, I think you'll be... I hope you'll be happy with the results. I hope this isn't just a flash in the pan. All right. That's all my thoughts. Thank you, Bob and Highland Heights. You're probably waiting on MVP for the day, and you're thinking to yourself, where are you going with this one, Davey? There's so many people to choose from. I got to go with Andres Jimenez, right? Uh, I mean, if he doesn't get on to start the ninth inning, then who knows if we can get a rally going. So that alone would be huge. But the defensive plays in the eighth, in the ninth inning, and I'm sure there were probably some defensive plays earlier in the game that I'm not thinking of. But absolutely incredible from Andres Jimenez tonight. So uh, he deserves to have Josh Naylor hyping him up. He deserves to have his hype man Naylor all fired up next to him because he made absolute magic happen on the diamond tonight. So Andres Jimenez is getting my MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Thanks for those five-star reviews. I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, Again, the final, it's the guards walking it off nine. The Baltimore Orioles struggling, struggling to stay afloat uh, in this playoff race to hold off the Tampa Bay Rays eight. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, just like Marlon does every single night, and just like Bob and Highland Heights did tonight. 
uh, email in. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if there's something specific you want me to discuss. Shout it out, and we'll talk about it on the show. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.